0: Welcome to a new episode of the Access Vikings Podcast Mailbag Edition with Ben Gessling and Michael Rand at TCO Performance Center in Egan. Thank you for waving. It was a quick wave. Let's get it's to a it. Our episode. Dave in Canada wants to know: Have the odds of Brian Flores stay? Have the odds of Brian Flores staying gone up substantially?
1: I think they've probably, probably gone up. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's probably a little less likely that he's as hot of a candidate. I I think he'll still get some interviews. Um I think there's still a lot of questions about what jobs he would take and how much interest there will be given the fact that he's still suing the league. I, you know, should that affect him and his status? No. Is it going to? Probably. I mean, it's Chinatown, Jake. So, you know, this is kind of how these things work. They, at least said what, in the movie. What once. movie is that from? I I think it's from Chinatown. <laughs> That's, a good That's a callback if, for our loyal listeners from the middle of the season. Um yeah, I I think he'll still get interviews, but I don't know that he'll be out of here uh, quite as quickly as maybe we would
2: have seen in the middle of the year. Like I was already catastrophizing if I'm a Vikings fan, just be like, he's the reason they're competitive this year. Like they were six and four largely because the defense was winning games. Like they they beat the Raiders three to nothing. Yeah. Like the. They would never win a game 3 nothing in most lifetimes, unless you go back to the Purple People leaders or some of those. 1971. It's the right. only other time. Like some of those mid-80s teams kind of had a vibe like that. But, you know, you were looking at it, you're like, and you still look at the numbers. In the Within the division, they are the lowest scoring team and have given up the fewest points, which I would never have guessed at the start of the year. So like, That was not on my bingo card. If you're looking for a strength this year, it's been the defense. But to the point that... They've had their struggles lately. They've had trouble closing out those games that kind of started this losing kind of skid. And then lately they've what, they give it up thirty and thirty-three points, over four hundred yards, like doesn't have the personnel, but if you're you know, if if the genius is gonna be touted, it kind of like transcends a lot of personnel sometimes. So I, I think some of the urgency to to worry about that is dissipated with these recent offense.
0: Yeah, the the defenses have just fallen apart and broken on them. I mean the attrition, the injuries Um, They haven't had, you know, Marcus Davenport all year, and they've been able to make up for that. And now you lose DJ Wanham. I think a lot of guys are playing injured. I think Harrison Phillips has not been the same player. He's playing with a back injury that's been on there the last two weeks and then probably any number of things that haven't been on there. Um, So I think in general you're seeing teams run on them. you certainly saw the Lions do that. The Packers were able to do that at the end of the game. Um, They've been on the field for 37 minutes last week, 38 minutes against Detroit. Um, They went into overtime in Cincinnati, were on the field for 33 minutes. Um, Yeah, they just looked tired defensively. So I don't know how much of this you put on Flores, but it certainly would probably take the shine off him turning around them into like a playoff contender right away.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I I think there's still, you know, there's probably going to be football people that say, hey, this was still a heck of a job, but you still have to sell that to an owner. And the top line statistics are not going to look quite as shiny. And especially if you're, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I still have contended that the jobs that he would take are going to be ones where he knows that the owner is going to be in a good situation and that this is a solid franchise. The jobs that have made the most sense are the Patriots and the Steelers, and I don't think the Steelers are going to be getting rid of Mike Tomlin. Um, if the Patriots came calling, that's the one that transcends all of this because they know him, he knows them, He probably doesn't have to worry about it as much, especially if they're picking in the top four. And he could go take a quarterback. I suppose Uh, that's the one job that I continue to think, if it fit, he's got a you know that that could land. Is are the Patriots going to take a defensive play caller? Unless you feel like you got a good offensive coordinator coming in. I mean, if you want somebody for the that's going to be the type of leader you want, you say we don't care about the offensive defensive thing. Um, this is the type of guy we want setting our culture, I think that would be the appeal.
2: Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion.
1: The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin.
0: Yeah, Robert Kraft would have to look at what Brian, what happened with Brian Flores in Miami with Tua and say, that was an isolated incident that I feel comfortable won't Correct. happen again. Yes. Um, because Brian Flores and Tua didn't get along, and he benched him multiple times, and the confidence of the quarterback was obviously dissipated.
1: And we've seen that Tua is a good NFL quarterback yeah. in the right setting.
0: Yeah, so yeah, that would be fascinating to see if New England would make that decision, and you talking about Brian and that connection makes me think that, yeah, just New England would have to um, really love Brian and really look past what happened in Miami for that offense decision for them. But the Vikings will probably end up keeping a great defensive mind that has turned around uh, them right away. And I just, I think the biggest thing this defense needs is an infusion of talent, Uh, not just this offseason, but maybe next offseason too. Um, Because as we talk about on the last, last podcast about corners and the cupboard being empty, that's the case at pass rusher. That's the case at almost every position on this defense. So it does get into a related question we had. I think it was from Jeff who asked, I saw a stat that the Vikings give up more passes over the middle than any team in the league. Is that a sign of personnel or scheme? I decided to look this up because I was curious about that. It's not quite true. Um, They give up. They're actually pretty decent uh, over the middle, so I'm not sure where this number came from. But it did lead me to find that they give up the highest completion percentage in the league on all underneath passes. doesn't matter if it's outside. doesn't matter if it's in the middle. That's 100% scheme. 100%. So the question is being is that – assign a personnel or scheme in terms of let's just talk about them giving up throws. Um, They'll give up the underneath stuff. What they don't want to give up is the deep stuff which we saw Jordan Love do multiple times in that loss to Bo Melton. Yeah. Bo Melton. Bo Melton. I don't even know who that is. Yeah. Who? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we saw them get thrown on. We've seen them get thrown on. To me that just screams personnel not being able to close when they rush the passer and then not being able to cover.
1: Well and, and you've got I mean, to the point about the scheme, yes, that has been the point of the scheme. And we've seen – I was looking this up a couple of weeks ago too – Miss tackle numbers for Caleb Evans, Byron Murphy. They're fairly high, but that's also – you have to look at percentages there because that's a bit of a counting stat. And when they are throwing the ball underneath as much as they are, it means that your corners are going to be put in more situations to tackle than your average corner is. So, yes, that is a 100% scheme. That's They've said – we don't mind if you throw underneath because we think we can lock it down and we're not going to give a big plays. But when they're not getting home and you have guys sitting back there saying, we can throw it deep on your on your zone coverages that have zones open because you're bringing six guys or you're you're at least having somebody simulate a pressure, then you're going to have trouble. And I think that's been a reflection of – Talent, it's been a reflection of probably just fatigue. I mean, they have – the number of guys they have on defense that have played over 1,000 snaps this year. Harrison Smith, Josh Metellus are both over 1,000. Josh Metellus has missed – you know, last week at the end of the game, I think he came out – before that, he had missed two snaps, period, since, like, the 49ers game. So um, you have guys that have just played a lot, and I think that's starting to show its its head as well.
2: I feel like the personnel, too, shows up with, like <laughs> – they want to give up those underneath routes and hold someone to four yards. They've been giving up eight or nine yards on a lot of these plays just because they're not tackling well. Tackles. Because the personnel is not there. If you know someone's not as experienced, they don't know quite where to be to close that down at that moment, and then it becomes a problem. So I think that's some of it, too.
0: There was like an early third down in that Packers game where it was like third and three or third and four, and Romeo Dubs catches the ball like two or three yards short of the marker, and he just drags Makai Blackman past it. Like, that's the kind of stuff where when, you know, Makai Blackman's not healthy, he's playing through a shoulder injury, maybe that was a factor, but... Also, he's, he's little, you know, he's a small corner. So um, the great thing about when Caleb Evans was out there is when he's healthy, generally he's a strong tackler and has been a f- strong perimeter kind of force player to keep things inside. But when he's not playing well, when Makai's not playing well, how many easy throws to the perimeter did Jordan Love have? Just quick, get the ball out and then take some timely deep shots down the field that just split them open. Um, this defense, to me, is just – it's it's talent. I don't know how you could question the scheme or Flores. I think there's some blitzes that got figured out by Love and by LaFleur. I think there were some quick answers to some of the pressures and being able to identify it. So there's probably something to that. But to, to question Flores as a coach after all this, I just don't know how, how you can go that far.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, especially given their bet at the beginning of the season was – we're going to have a great offense and if we go from 28th to 17th in the league in defense we're going to win a lot of games um their offense has not been great for a lot of reasons that we can explain fairly easily and some that probably are invite bigger questions but their defense has been a lot better than 17th for especially for a lot of the season
0: how about this chris offers a new name for the nick mullins tush push the nordic nudge the nordic nudge i like it well, like, I still
2: don't want to ever see it again.
0: We're going to see it Sunday. <laughs> <laughs>
2: not, I hope not. I hope, the only the only time I ever want to see it is if they have a quarterback who can actually execute
0: it and a bigger guy than Brandon Powell behind him.
1: I like the Nordic Nudge. That's Nordic good. Nudge is good
0: though. That's good. Um, is this Lewis Seen's last game as a Minnesota Viking? Mm. I don't think so. But it's
2: just, uh, yeah. it's just a second year, right? And they've got he's sunk cost at this point. They've. I mean, he's yeah. Ruined. It's like a guaranteed money. Now, you'd hope that
1: the guy with the economics degrees would not fall victim to a sunk cost fallacy. Correct. I think he's talked about in the past, uh-huh. but um, I would also say the only the, the only cost here is not financial. Mm-hmm. With first round picks, mm-hmm. you know whether they're new school or old school GMs, there's always the question of is there a reputational cost yeah. that is still going to have an effect here. And and we haven't seen Quasey go through that with a first round pick yet. That one hundred percent was a factor with Rick Spielman in terms of whether a guy was going to get another chance. And with most GMs, I think it typically buys the player another chance. I would expect with Lewis Seen it will as well.
2: I would not say that his time horizon has been very successful so far though.
1: No, it is not he has not delivered on the time horizon they were hoping.
0: The people are angry. Cat wants to know, why should anybody trust Kwesi Adolfo Mensa to pick the next quarterback given his decisions so far? Well, he hasn't picked a quarterback yet. And at least there's that. I would argue that you're not just trusting him, you're trusting Kevin O'Connell as well. So I think that's the argument is that for the quarterback spot, the head coach who has proven to be very adept at orchestrating a graduate level offense with Kirk and a full complement of weapons that has been very good. He's struggled with backups. There's, there's some questions there about how he's managing this backup situation, but when you've got a fully capable guy that you picked in Kirk to keep around this year, um, he's done very well. So I think the confidence and trust should go into the head coach as much as anything until you see Quasey give you that confidence. Well, and the thing we should
1: remember, the last times they have tried to bring in a quarterback, a young quarterback, and develop him, it has been under defensive head coaches Mike Zimmer and Leslie Frazier, yeah. who I would contend did not have great offensive staffs. I mean, Leslie Frazier certainly did not have a great offensive staff in terms of the depth of quarterback coaches, offensive coordinators, people to develop Christian Ponder. And and I don't think Christian Ponder was going to work out anyway. But if there was a chance for that to happen, I don't know that they had a great setup there. I don't know that Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer had a great setup in terms of quarterbacks, people. I mean, obviously, Scott Turner has gone on to be a coordinator around the league since then. But And maybe they would have had it work with Teddy Bridgewater. I don't know. But I, I also don't think... I mean, you, you had a, a coordinator there that was kind of, we're going to run the offense the way I ran it with Troy Aikman, and it's going to be kind of this certain way, so how do we take this quarterback and mold it to his strengths? I don't know that that was the most adaptable system there either. Is this one better for that? Will Kevin O'Connell adapt to a young quarterback if his strengths are different than what Kirk Cousins are? I think that's a fair question. I I think it's – Certainly valid to wonder that after what the season has become. And and it's a different question when it's off season installing a scheme versus we've got to play a game in five days and i got this new quarterback here. But on balance, I think this quarterback group from Kevin O'Connell on down through Wes Phillips, Chris O'Hara, Grant Udinski is better equipped to develop a young passer than what they've had in the past couple of attempts at this in the first round. So, will that work? We'll see. But I would have a little more benefit of the doubt there right now.
2: Given how much Hall struggled, and I get that he's a fifth-round pick, so there's a a talent difference there and things like that. Given that Hall struggled so much as a 25-year-old rookie in week 17, like, is it? Re- and, and knowing and hearing from players like Justin Jefferson today about how complex this offense is and how it's one of the more complicated things to understand. like Is it even reasonable for a rookie quarterback to play right away, even if he is talented? I, I think that's a valid question, too.
1: I mean, I, I, you, we have seen this scheme work with a quarterback who has been in the league for 12 years and is, by his own admission, maniacal in his preparation. Are you going to get a rookie who can come in and do that I mean is this going to have to be a rookie that has played in this type of a scheme a more of a pro style scheme if you get one who's not are you going to adapt to that I mean their interest in Anthony Richardson last year tells me I think that they had their eyes open to that that they would probably have to play differently with him if they had taken him I, I think they knew that but until they actually go do it and prove it I think it's fair to wonder that
0: Rick wants to know who you guys got in the Super Bowl Rick Spielman that might be mm-hmm. interesting. A big listener of the podcast, yeah. He loves our breakdown of his <laughs> roster decisions. I'm sure he does. <laughs> I'm sure he hates us if he knows. If he's ever listened to this show, he probably hates us. Think,
2: yeah, <laughs> probably does. Do you see Zimmer was on some NFL show maybe yeah. a week or two ago? I hadn't seen him. He out got there for polished a while.
0: up to do the Hire Me show. Yeah. Hadn't seen him Somebody out there for a while. Hire Me. Hadn't yep. seen him out there for a while. It's good to see him. Um, yeah. Who, who, do like this, <laughs> who do you like in the Super? Bowl? Um, I think it's gonna be one of those weird years where it's not either of the one seeds I think it'll probably be I don't know why not Joe Flacco and the Cleveland Browns wow why not I mean why not it's one one of those Eli Manning years where a six seed or whatever makes a run that speaking of Zim, that wins it all
1: like Kevin Stefanski out the door
0: yeah, that's right. Kevin Stefanski, there you go. How about that? That's my pick. He's done okay with four quarterbacks. He's yeah. done all right. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I Rick wants our opinions on it. I think it's going to be something that nobody sees coming. Forty ers Browns get the Quasi
1: Bowl. Wow,
2: how
0: about that?
1: Yeah.
2: I, sure, we'll go with that. I think the Ravens are going to make it. I think. Yeah. Like, I, I think they're heard. that good, but I think the NFC could be a surprise because I think there's three or four pretty good teams. I, you know, Philadelphia's had some weird stumbles here. I could still see them making it. I would go Ravens, and I almost hesitate to
1: say it because they just find ways to stub their toes in the playoffs a lot, but I'm going to go Ravens-Cowboys. I almost said,
2: I almost said Cowboys, too. Are, Cowboy, are the Cowboys in the driver's seat for the division now yes. still because the Eagles lost again last week, I know they lost. or The no, Cowboys won in that controversial game against yeah. Detroit, so okay.
0: Do I trust Mike McCarthy in
1: the playoffs? Not sure. but
0: Yeah, clock management, the, the, the whole um, – debacle with the ineligibility eligible receiver really detracted from the fact that Mike McCarthy still can't manage a game yeah no Um, this was
1: like the first time I watched a Cowboys game with the sound on this year Mm. so my first exposure and I'm sure everybody else has already seen this because everybody else watches more games on TV than we do but this was my first exposure to the Dak Prescott cadence last week and here we Wait, go. he sounds like <laughs> here we go, Chunk from uh, the Goonies. Yeah, here,
0: here we go. go. It's like, what is going on? Apparently, this has been a thing. Yeah. I'm just late to it, but I, I got a good laugh out of it. It's no Omaha, but when he starts a production company called Here We Go Productions, yeah. when it's, he retires, it's marketable. <laughs> it is marketable. Here we go. <laughs> all right. Well, that'll be it for this episode of the podcast. Please check out all of our work at startribune.com. We will talk to you next time from Ford Field in Detroit.